0: Oh, we have some breaking news, it sounds like, from our producer,
1: Dominic Schermattie. The Canucks have made a deal. The Red Wings announcing that today they have acquired a first-round pick, the New York Islanders pick, and a second-round pick in 2023 from Vancouver in exchange for Philip Kronik and a 2023 fourth-round pick. Woo! All right. So
0: just before we were about to go off-air, the Canucks... Not letting that draft capital burn a hole in their pocket. They trade it for Philip Roenick, defenseman, uh, sending out their the New York Islanders 2023 first rounder and their own 2023 second round pick. They get a 2020, 20, 2023, excuse me, fourth round pick in the deal. That is absolute breaking news uh, on the Vancouver Canucks adding defenseman Philip Roenick here a couple of days before the deadline. Makes no Philip
1: sense. Philip Roanik from Detroit, I would say. That is a whopper from a club that really should be looking further afield than acquiring, what is he, twenty-five? Twenty-five. Productive, right-handed defenseman. So obviously they're valuing a right-handed defenseman and upgrading, you know, a spot that's very nearly impossible to fill. Veronic's on an on an attractive contract, just about four million per year, uh, and will be an RFA after this deal. So they're acquiring like a long term piece in their mind but this is a long-term piece who's going to hit now, right? First of all, he makes you better down the stretch. Secondly, he makes you better next year, but probably not enough to significantly move the needle. I mean, I mean, Heronix a top 4 quality piece, but I don't know that he's I don't know that he's like the defensive-minded two-way guy that this club needs. He can move the puck, he can create offense. He's a nice player. But this team should be amassing draft capital.
0: Yeah, it's a a present-day move. Now, it could also be a future move, but the most immediate impact is it makes you better now, it makes you better next year, and then you're going to have an expensive decision to make on the player, who, again, is only 25. He's going to be put in a position to succeed, and a position to rack up points. Uh, Not on Power Play 1 here, obviously, but, you know, I would think he's going to be playing a lot, an awful lot with Quinn Hughes. Uh,
1: We're now up to twelve point five million that the Canucks have added to in terms of cap space.
0: So my immediate reaction is again, it's not so much about not liking Philip pronick who I think is uh, is a he's, really valuable player. He's fine. I think he's a really useful player. I think he's going to really help the Canucks. It's just again, it's a a move that the biggest positive impact it's going to have is on the right now, the present. And I've said it so many times that I think the Canucks need to be looking to uh, do future-oriented moves, and that this is not that, right? They acquire the trade capital for Bo Horvat, and then they immediately, not immediately, but shortly thereafter, turn around uh, and flip it for a defenseman who's going to help them right now. So they are very much taking future flexibility, future assets, future performance, and turning it into something that helps them right now. And again, I just really, really have a hard time seeing how that is the
1: correct course of
0: action no, 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 no. for the Canucks.
1: No, no, it, It's not the correct course of action. It's not. But at least it makes sense with the logic of some of their other moves, right? Like at least it leans into the fact that they opened a win-now window around the 26th team by point percentage in the NHL once they extended JT Miller, right? Like this team intends to be a playoff team next year. This makes it clear. Good luck. Like, good luck. That It's going to be extremely difficult. You're going to need Demco to be healthy. You're going to need to f- cobble together 20 really reliable games from a backup netminder. Are you still confident with that being Spencer Martin? Because you're going to have to spend some money there. The cap space is going to be very tight to make this all work. Uh, and and one other thing I'd add is Hironic's major value, like one of the places he provides major value is on the power play, mm. where you're not going to play him on PP1. Not with Quinn Hughes around, right? So he's a rare piece in that he's a 25-year-old, somewhat cost-controlled defender. Um, Mostly offensive, not defensive. Doesn't help this team in terms of the two-way IQ that they're so lacking in. Can move the puck pretty effectively. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense, particularly at the cost of a first and a second-round pick in a deep draft class this year. Uh, Effectively, now you're looking at having dealt Bo Horvat. For Heronik, Beauvillier, and Ratu, like think about it that way, right? Mm. If they traded Bo Horvat for twenty-five year old defenseman, and a second, right? Because they gave a second in this deal as well. Right. Horvat, and they a gave second. their own second, which I is going to be, be a good. Who would think top that makes 40, sense? It's going to be a top forty pick. Who? This year. What? What would? What would the reaction have been if the trade was Bo Horvat out for Heronik, Beauvillier, Bo Beau Horvat with a second out for Beauvillier, Hronik, uh and and Atu, and Atu Ratu. Ratu? I think we'd say that doesn't make sense for where this team's at. Yeah, I just don't think it does make sense uh, for this team. And
0: again, I like Hronick as a player. And the other thing that immediately pops into my mind is what does this mean for the offseason, right? And what does this mean for somebody like Brock Besser, for somebody like Connor Garland? Are you now putting yourself in a position where... You're going to do something like buy out one of those players or seriously retain on one of those players because you're trying to make more win now competitive chase the playoffs moves. And that was always the number one thing I wanted to see from this team was stop that stop desperately trying to chase the playoffs and sacrificing the future for that goal uh, when what was actually needed was a much longer rebuilding process. And again, this looks very, very much like they're going to skip out once again on that. and They're trying to turn this around. Uh, and get to the playoffs next year. Now, again, Kronik is 25, so it's not as if it's only for next year. Surely they're hoping this is a long-term fit that can help them now and down the road. But you're sacrificing a ton of future value with that New York Islanders pick and with your second-round pick
1: as well, well. And buying high on a guy having a career year. You know, I mean, all of this is sort of the like consistent with all of the like undervaluing cap space. Right. Not having a sense of your window, maybe not having a good sense of where your team's actually at in terms of true talent. Right. Uh, not being able to see through sort of the percentage variables that impact player performance and current stock and then buying high. Um, this is like all the str- strategy area er- er- errors that we've talked about all episode, basically, Um culminating in in another deal that I, 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 I fail to understand how it can be seen as anything but a setback for where this organization's Uh, at.
0: The Canucks have done it again. They have made a significant move right as we were about to go off air. So we're going to stay on. Uh, Keep your thoughts coming in. We'll read some of your reaction. Uh, We'll try to get some reaction from uh, uh, from somebody on the phone boards as well. More Canucks talk, bonus stuff coming up here. The Canucks have traded for Philip Roenick for the Islanders' first-round pick and their own second-round pick to Detroit. Uh, You got it on Sportsnet 650. All right. Once again, we are back here for some Canucks talk. Bonus coverage. Just a couple of days before the NHL trade deadline, the Canucks have made another move, and they have acquired defenseman Philip Roenick from Detroit for their for the 2020. Uh, 2020- excuse me, the New York Islanders' 2023 first-round pick uh, and Vancouver's own second-round pick in this year's NHL entry draft. And that trade de- trade desk update brought to you by Jags Furniture and Mattress, the Lower Mainland's favorite furniture and mattress destination. Visit Jags showrooms in Langley and Abbotsford or online
1: at jagsfurniture.ca. So Hronick is injured at the moment, by the way. My colleague at the yes. Athletic, Max Boltman, noting that – Uh, Hronik has an upper body injury and was wearing a sling yesterday so this is not a player who impacts their draft positioning necessarily in the short term and you know it's important to separate I think at this point a a player who is extremely good yeah he's having a really good season he's having a really good season but he's also not like he's more offensive than defensive but he's not like an offenseman he's yeah, <laughs> like he is he can ha- he can't like a liability. No, well, I I mean he has been at parts of his career, but he can hang in real minutes. Like he can be a top 4 guy. He is a good player who makes this team better. But why? Like not in a way that makes sense with a realistic timeline for this team to compete for something more meaningful than maybe a playoff spot next season or, or the year after. Uh, Hronik, at the end of the day, is cost-controlled. He's relatively young, 25. So it's not just a short-term move. Um, there's an ability to control his price, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe even with an extension. Like, he's extension, yeah, he's el- eligible, he's eligible the summer, extension in the summer. So yeah. you can call your shot uh, right off the bat if you so desire. It's just that I watch this team play and think they're far away. And they're intent on raging against what I see as a systemic decline in team quality uh, and trying to sort of navigate it. So so a ba- basically, I would view this as like the less intelligent version of the Rasmus Sandin trade by Brian McClellan. Mm-hmm. Right, this is like you get assets because you pay more. Flip them. You pay more for an older guy yeah. who's probably who's like a safer bet, probably to be a top four caliber defenseman, but also is far lower upside if they hit. Right, and your team is farther away. Well, your team is farther away and doesn't have the like chasing history. So we need to be competitive yeah. while we do that. Pressure that obviously exists on the Washington Capitals, and I just don't see why this team would want to be in that business. Um, you know, a- aside from all of the short-term desperation stuff that has characterized so much of this club's moves uh, for much of the past decade. And, you know, I haven't been a fan of how that stuff worked out. And I would even compare um, the
0: return... Well, the, the different philosophies here. You bring up Washington, but I would look at Detroit as well. Like, Detroit... And now I know they just lost these games to Ottawa and that kind of burst their their playoff bubble. But, hey, this young team on the upswing, oh, they're arriving a little ahead of schedule. They're here now. They're going to keep trying to get better. And they still have the discipline to sell high on a player. Like there's a very, very good chance they're selling high. They're selling at Philip Roenick's absolute peak value, given his contract status, his age, uh, and the season he's having. Well, they right? have a. They,
1: but they have a plan, Jamie. That's what
0: I mean. They have a plan. They. That's what I mean. They're still in that circumstance, able to have a more long-term, future-oriented point of view than the Canucks are. Well, what's Detroit's biggest
1: issue? Long-term. Right. Like they just locked up Dylan Larkin today for an eight-year deal. <laughs> But what's their, what's their long-term issue? At the end of the day, despite having been as poor as they've been for as long as they've been, they don't have the franchise-caliber player. They don't. Like, Lucas Raymond's a nice player. Um, you know, Moritz Sider's the closest thing they have. Yeah. I like Simone Edvinson. But they're sort of making up for it with raw volume. Like, just an absolute mess of volume at the draft. Um, if you go look at what they've done at the draft the past few years, they've made a wild amount of high picks just, you know, dating back like they had three picks in the top two rounds last year. They had uh, four picks in the top three rounds in 2021. Uh, they had another. Oh, my goodness. They had another six picks in 2020 uh, and another four in tw- in 2019. Now they have five in this particularly de- deep NHL draft class and obviously they're hoping to find uh sort of in a, in a way more similar to like the the Tampa Bay model that Eiserman sort of built where you get like a critical mass of guys that hit you find your Kucherov in the second mm-hmm. round you find your Sebastian Ajo uh they're maximizing their kicks at the can and yeah you're right they have discipline to do it while having a season that's been far more successful than Vancouver's it's um it's just like it's a- another example of a team. Selling high.
0: And we saw like Washington did it. Detroit yeah. did it. Like even St. Louis. Nashville trading Matthias Eckholm and Tanner Janot. Like, do you think there's any chance the Canucks are trading a player like Tanner Janot in the same situation, right? A young, powerful, you know, exciting fan favorite, but they recognize where they are and they recognize what they need to do. And yes, it's going to make some difficult decisions. Maybe you're not going to be able to push for the playoffs as much as you'd like for one year. Like, we're asking for one year where you're not desperately pushing to make the playoffs. Because they were this year. They signed Ilya Mikheyev. They brought in Andre Kuzmenko. They retained JT Miller. They still had Bo Horvat here. And now it looks like they're going to try to do it again. And we'll see what develops here between now and Friday and what develops in the offseason. But I don't know why you trade a first-round pick this year and a second. Again, let's not forget that. That's going to be a top 40 pick, probably, in a very, very deep
1: draft that you gave up in this deal as well. Your own second round pick. And potentially two. Potentially two, right? Like There there was a world where the Canucks were going to come out with like a top 10 pick, a top 20 pick, and another top 40 pick yeah. from this draft class. And look, I think a lot of fans in this market, having seen this franchise's work over the past decade and found the lack of direction and the constant desperation to be deeply annoying and disconcerting... Uh, And and frankly are fed up with it are fed up with this short term approach to winning that also fails and not not like just like fails and that the team falls short in March. But like it's been a long time since the team got out of the first month of the season Mm -hmm. with us looking at them and being like, hey, like this is even fun. You know, like they haven't even been fun in since what the bubble 2020. Yeah, it's been a while. That's it. It's been a while. So, you know. I th- it's hard, I think, for people in this market to see another win now move, and conclude anything. But wh- why? Like, what? What is this? Why is this team so in on a team construction that to this point, like, hasn't worked? That they- this group can't seem to win together when it matters. So why are you supplementing it further? Why aren't you taking a longer view? Why aren't you giving? Paying customers in this market something to be meaningfully hopeful about, and you just look at
0: how excited were people to have seven picks in the first four rounds. Oh, it was yeah. It's so it was such a breath of fresh air. And you can say like, well, it's not sufficient, and there's other things that they've done wrong. Sure, that's all true. But it was such a breath of fresh air to have that, and you've gutted that now right? Now again, you're missing. You're missing a second round pick. You don't have a second round pick this year now. When you're going to be 26 in the league or whatever they're going to finish up as. We'll see how Thatcher Demko does down the stretch for them. And this one comes in uh, this is almost this text is from Ryan and Penticton. This is almost more of a gut punch for me than the OEL trade. I was expecting that out of Benning after Alvin and Rutherford have bought some goodwill by actually doing some rebuild type moves. I was starting to buy in and now this move has completely caught me blindsided. Giving up the first is one thing, but Van second is going to be around for, pick 40 in a deep draft so much for building out the farm and prospect system. That is from Ryan and in Penticton. And again, yeah, that's a, a huge point of emphasis that we've heard from Patrick Alvine, right? We have, we have to get picks. We have to add prospects. Well, these were going to be two really, really good picks to add potentially impact young players. Oh, th-
1: absolutely. You were going to get your second and third, well, at least two of your three, two of your top four prospects, depending on how much your mileage has slown on Jonathan LeCaramacchi as a result of how he's performed this season, which, you know, I don't think it should be much lower. Like it, obviously you'd rather have seen him play better, but you were going to get two of your top four prospects out of <sighs> and you were going to get two of your top four prospects out of those picks that you've now dealt for a 25 year old player. Uh, right. Honestly, it's it's a tough one to swallow and it should be a really tough one to swallow for Canucks fans. Um we live in a world now where Canucks fans know the score better than the organization, right? So instead of it being cause for you know, fun and analysis and examination when the team moves, makes a move at the deadline. I, I, everyone's shoulders just slump in this market and they're like, more of this, huh?
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll go quickly to Detroit for some reaction. Uh, to this move. Again, the Canucks acquiring Philip Ronick defenseman uh, for a first and a second round pick in this year's draft. They also get a fourth round pick back from Detroit. Now joining us from the Detroit Free Press covering the Red Wings, uh, Helene St. James is on the line. Helene, thanks very much for doing this on short notice. We really appreciate it. Uh, What's your instant reaction to the deal between the two teams?
2: Well, good move for Steve Heisman and the Red Wings. You know He has keeps his eye on the future and mm. gains some flexibility with a first round pick that, you know, it's kind of funny. It's, it's the Islanders one because they were very much interested in getting a hold of Bo Horvat until he went to the Island. So some little, a uh, little threat to pull there, but you know, good for, move for them. I mean, they, they feel they're in a position of, of some depth, you know, with Moritz Seider and Jake Wallman, Steve just signed him to a three-year extension. Earlier this week, they re-signed or extended Ali Mata in February. So I think he's just shaping a, a defense more to his liking with this trade. Helene,
1: we know that Ronick was having something of a career year, even though he had 38 points last season. He's got 38 again, but it seems like his defensive play had really taken a big step forward. Is this an example of Iserman intentionally, thoughtfully selling high?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, right? You're you're going to get more value for players uh, moving them now than, than potentially in the summer. Usually, it's it's interesting. Phil Veronaig, he was he was just uh, there was so much asked of him early on in his career. You know, when the wings were just so terrible and they were cycling through 14, 15 defensemen a season, just trying to find some kind of combination. And then last season. Moritz Seider shows up, and Philip Roenick is no longer on the top pairing, you know, the, the top shutdown guy. And it kind of looked like he had trouble, or he did have trouble adjusting to that role. Now he's come back this season and played much better. He had Ali Mata as a partner early on, and of late, Ben Sharat. So I think, you know, not having to carry quite such a big load has, has helped him. And, you know, he's a good power play guy. I mean, he has a good shot, he's a good passer. So you know he he's a pretty well rounded uh, young defenseman just coming into his prime,
0: you know you mentioned being asked to do a little bit less, carrying less of the load. Is that the main thing that's changed that's led to him kind of having a career year, or are there other parts of his game uh, that have developed to lead him to this kind of success as well?
2: No, I think it's mostly that. I mean, he's not out against opposing top lines nearly as much, and he's getting you know more power play time. I mean, he's still certainly being asked to kill penalties and such. but he's just not in a significant a role, you know, that that's really gone to more outsiders since last season. So I think that, and then he's just figured out this season, you know, where to kind of fit in better maybe, or, or just accepting that his role has changed. And I think that's why, you know, I mean, his, he's been a minus player up every year up until this season with the wings, but that's really much more a reflection of how absolutely terrible they were mm. uh, overall as a team than, than just entirely on Philip Ronick
1: Helene, the Red Wings now have five picks in the first two rounds of the 2023 draft. We know that the lottery balls have not fallen in Steve's favor since he launched this rebuilding project. How much do you think volume just volume of picks and prospects matter to this organization. Given that you know, aside from Cider, they're still probably looking for their their next generation franchise player behind Dylan Larkin.
2: No, absolutely, it gives them flexibility. You know, they got a first round pick from the Washington Capitals as part of the Anthony Mantha Jacob Brana deal, and mm. used that to move up in the draft and. and um, and take Sebastian Cosa, who they see as their goaltender of the future. So it gives them some flexibility. You know, he may swing a pick into another deal. So I think Steve just likes to have uh, flexibility as far as the draft. And, yeah, they absolutely, you know, like you said, they've either been pushed back uh, most egregiously in 2020 from when they were just the worst team in, in the NHL to picking fourth. They've been pushed back or they've st- uh, stood pat at the in the draft lottery so they do uh volume for them absolutely uh, matters in the instance since they don't seem to have any luck when it comes to the draft lottery and they may not be in it this year i mean they're two disappointing performances in ottawa monday and tuesday but they're still in the chase
0: helene we really appreciate you jumping on for some quick reaction and the uh, the insight into philip ronick and his season thanks very much for doing this
2: my pleasure anytime
0: that's Helene St. James from the Depor- Detroit Free Press with some quick reaction from the Detroit side of things and uh, a little bit about Philip Ronick and his track record uh, with the Red Wings and, yeah, flexibility in the draft. You don't say. Is that, so- is that something that's good? Is that something that should be valued, highly valued, for teams that aren't in the playoffs?
1: Buying from the 26th spot in the NHL by point percentage is, you know, Ronick's a good player. Again, I, I think – Compared to what Vancouver Canucks fans have been served on the back end, I suspect we're quickly going to move into people being like, "See, he's good. See, he's good," and he is. It's just not a needle enough; like, it doesn't move the needle sufficiently to justify the cost um, in cap space and and everything else. And and consider this: like, I'm I'm modeling it right now, uh, and and you have to make some assumptions while modeling. One of them will be that Tucker Pullman remains on LTI, but that Tanner Pearson does not. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that could change. Um, you know, and this is without Bear, right? This is without any of the RFA's qualified. Uh, so for Philip Pronik, Tyler Myers, Quinn Hughes, um, on the uh, as the only sort of committed defenseman alongside uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, Canucks have eighty one point one million already committed for next season that's not factoring in kuzmenko's bonuses and that's not factoring in a backup goaltender like a like a spencer martin or what have you um more is going to have to drop here right whether it's buyouts whether it's trades and and one thing that sort of concerns me is this team's now put itself to in a position where they've committed so much cap space having extended kuzmenko having brought in beauvillier having acquired philip peronic for next season that you're on the back foot right like if well, you're, if are, you're, you're, are you going to have to do something like the Jason Dickinson deal again, right? Where you're like, just try desperately trying to move cap for the sake of this year, for the sake of helping this team this year. Are, are you, are you going to have to consider buying out Ekman Larson, right? Because that's the easiest way to free up nope. seven million, right? Like, but either way, either way, you're now kind of operating off the back foot unless you've got something lined up that just hasn't been announced yet and is in the next hour or two, uh, and that's, and that's tough. Like, I, I honestly worry that what happened is that the Canucks saw the Brian McClellan trade for Rasmus Sandin and we're like oh we can take the assets we got for selling and turn them into a win now piece like I'm at the point where I don't know if this organization's plan extends beyond their next phone call and you know if anyone wants to present me with evidence to make that an unfair statement I'll I'll, I'll consider it but that's like is 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 there at least a chance that they saw the Sandine trade and were like, let's find our version of that? I don't know, man. I I truly don't know. Um,
0: by the way, some people are testing us about this. So uh, Dave Pinoto from the fourth period tweets the Canucks have a lot of irons in the fire, expecting more to come, maybe today in well, the to next
1: forty six hours. There has to be, but now But what's it gonna be now? Well, yeah, right? Now you are now you're backed up against it. Right? You have you literally have to shed cap just to build build out your team. I mean, it's honestly, this is this is unlike how any other team functions in the NHL. No other team functions like this, maybe except the Flyers. You know, for all the like we're not the smartest guys in the room talk, you sure carry yourself like you think everyone else is wrong. It's um yeah. It's just a really hard one to square. And
0: uh, again, the 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 thing that, look, we'll see what comes down between now and Friday, but you've still done this deal, right? You've still traded a really, really valuable first round pick and a really, really valuable uh, second round pick for this defenseman to help you in the near term. And somebody tweets in, or texts in, excuse me, this move signals... That they have to buy out OEL in the offseason, which is a long-term disaster in my view. If they don't, it makes no sense. And the thing is, we can debate whether buying out OEL in a vacuum is a long-term disaster or not. My point has always been, sure, buy out OEL if you're willing to do the logical step, which is use that cap space to build your asset pool, right? Use that cap space to take on dead money from some other team and get a first or a second or whatever the asset is in order for doing that. Now we're in a position where, as you said, you're up against the wall. Even if you do buy out OEL, it's not going to be to do that. It can't be to do that. It's going to be to do something else, I would think. I shouldn't say it can't be. You never know. But if you now you're in a position where you just almost feel like you have to buy out OEL
1: to round out your team and that's not what you should be considering doing at yeah, this point in, unless you're able to find like a bunch of trades that shed cap space which good luck you know no one no one's taking on cap space with term except the vancouver canucks so you know it would be helpful if the canucks could trade with themselves but that's not a reality the <laughs> the league that they exist with honestly this one this one is tough to swallow i i suspect that that's the sentiment in the inbox. Yeah, I'll read this one. And there's a there. There are some people uh, who are
0: who are happy about it because the player is good. And listen, I think we've both been very clear that Philip Roenick is is going to be a very useful player. He's a good uh, player for the Canucks. He's good. Uh David and Maple Ridge <laughs> text in. I'm a 20 year listener to sports radio in Vancouver. I've never called or texted in Uh today. I can't help but voice my frustration. I just finished screaming for a good while in the car after hearing the latest Canucks trade. What are we doing? I have a 10 year old son who is really getting into sports. I'm legitimately wondering if I should maybe steer him in a different direction away from these Canucks. I can't handle this team. That is from David and Maple Ridge. And I would just say the overwhelming sentiment is the sensation of banging your head against a brick wall, right? And <laughs> no, really. That's what it is. It's, yeah. we were. And you know, again, we were just talking about the how how uh, how positive everyone was that they were amassing these draft picks. and you're just you're desperately looking for these positive signs and these kind of green shoots of, hey, we're going in a different direction, right? Maybe there's a brighter future ahead. And then instead, what
1: do you get? You get more of the same. It's very much more of the same. Well, it's just like, look, maybe maybe things click for the Canucks. Maybe Demco comes back and having, you know, close to NHL best goaltending versus mm-hmm. absolute NHL worst goaltending next season is a 30 goal goal differential swing. Yeah. Right. Heronic. You have Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes and yeah. Hironic is very much the type of defender that this team does need from a from a short term perspective. Right. Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson, as you just alluded to, are throwing absolute fireballs in the absolute prime of their careers. And there was very little way to go about not wasting their primes. Right? Like frankly. Um, but right now we have seen teams like the Washington Capitals, the Detroit Red Wings, the Nashville Predators sell from a far more credible playoff position in terms of the race than the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks have sort of zigged as everyone else has zagged. They're buying once again from 26th in the NHL by point percentage. And, you know, there may be one of those like Doritos dust (laughs) residues as as the team has perhaps a fun season they better have at least a fun season next year and that stakes are high and i think that's possible now but over the next but over the next three years who's going to improve their team and give themselves a better chance of winning something big the predators the red wings the capitals or the canucks because i know where i'd rank vancouver on that list but i don't dead last i don't think
0: there's any doubt Right now. I don't think there's any doubt right now. We'll take a quick break. More coverage coming up. uh, Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650. Woo. Welcome back to Canucks talk bonus coverage here for a second straight day on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, the Canucks have acquired and they've made it official Defenseman Philip Roenick from the Detroit Red Wings for a 2023 conditional first-round pick that, of course, was originally the New York Islanders and Vancouver's own 2023 second-round draft pick. All our trade coverage here uh, is brought to you by Jags, or excuse me, the trade desk is brought to you by Jags Furniture and Mattress, the Lower Mainland's favorite furniture and mattress destination. Visit Jags showrooms in Langley and Abbotsford or online at jagsfurniture.ca. A uh, and we'll stay here with coverage, uh, taking up to the People's Show at three o'clock. We'll continue uh, your live coverage of the latest Canucks move. Uh, We have a statement from the Canucks as well. Uh, This is from Patrick Alvin, who says, "We are excited to add a 25-year-old right-shot defenseman who handles the puck well and possesses a strong two-way game. He has steadily progressed throughout his time in Detroit to show that he is a top pairing defenseman in this league." We are happy to continue to add younger pieces to build out the core of this team. So using the word core there uh, in relation to Philip Ronick And also, I mean, I don't know how many times we can do this, but like Philip Roenick, he's good. He's good, but he's going to be 26 in November. Like they, they're getting him. His first full season is going to be his age 26 season mm-hmm. with the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. That's not old. Nope. But it sure ain't young in the NHL these days. It is Like, not. we really have to jettison this idea that a 26-year-old player represents acquiring youth in the NHL. No. And, it and, does not. It is a player in his prime. And toward the back end of it. Yeah.
1: Quite Frankly, like, no, 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 not quite potentially. Statistically, toward the back end of your prime, but that doesn't mean you're, you know, you're, like, on half halfway. It doesn't mean you have, like, one foot out the door no. to the glue factory. No, no, it just no, no, means no, no. that you are, you yeah, know. well.
0: Like, again, there's a very much a world where this is his career year. Not a guarantee, but very much a world where that... As a
1: two-way player, yes. And that is the case. Especially because the problem that this team is about to run into is, you know, with Hronick in particular, is that you're not set up to maximize his skill in that he's not going to be your PP1 guy. Right. Like, he's just not because that's what Quinn Hughes will do. Now... He isn't their number one PP guy either in in that Moritz Sider is. But, um, you know, this team needed a guy who could help them move the buck. And Hronik will do that. They needed a guy who could eat minutes and be reliable defensively. And Hronik can mostly do that. Now, this has been the only season that he's done it. And that's something that concerns me because we see sometimes with defensemen. And let me give you an example, uh, Oliver Ekman, Larson and Tyler Myers Mm. last season, right. Had two way seasons in terms of their defensive ability. That were fantastic, especially after Boudreaux took over. But honestly, even before that they were at a level as defensive pieces that they haven't typically been at in their career. One of the reasons I was sort of down on this team was that I wasn't sure that they'd repeat it. Right. Like, Sometimes seasons are outliers. Hronik this season has played like a top pair two way guy, but that's not been his profile at any point previously in his career. Has he found something new? The Canucks are betting has. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it a guarantee? No. Do I dislike the bet? Am I fading that bet? No, not necessarily. Like I don't, I don't have a. I've I've watched this guy play live ten times in my life, and I've watched him play on TV like 10, 10 to fifteen times this year. So I I don't have a complex enough view of it to really, like, hammer my fist on the table and be like, he'll regress. You know, it's not the same way that I felt about Myers and Oliver ekman Larson going into the season. A lot of people around the league have a lot of time for this player. He's going to be a noticeable difference maker on this team's back end. It's just, you know, the stakes are now high again. Like, this team always pushes it into the middle of the table, and now, like, if it doesn't work, if this looks at all – Next season, like it did at the start of this one, or has throughout the season, you're it's in real trouble again. You're it's go- a disaster. You're going into an you're in all
0: likelihood going into another training camp where it's we got to do it this year, right? Like this is the year. This is the year we all we have to shut up all the haters. We have to make the playoffs. We, we have unfinished business. Stuff. Yeah, unfinished business. Our pursuit, and, and you're just not like no one wh- believes it. If that's the here, look, look at their team. The teams you were we were talking about this off air. Look at the teams in their division. Mm-hmm. Are they? Would you say they're with Philip bronick and everything else is the same? Right. So J T. Miller stays, Brock Besser stays, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Are they a top five team in the Pacific? No, no, they're not. Now we'll see what Calgary does. Do they take a step back? I doubt it. But they're not a top five team in their own division after this move. And yet you've given up a first round pick, a really good, not a not a late. You know, people scoff like, oh, that first round pick from Tampa, it's going to be pick 30. Still
1: valuable, by the way. Like, this isn't that. <laughs> this is a really valuable first round pick. Well, don't that you've given up. Don't, um, you know, we talked about the, their short position on the Islanders having degraded over the course of the past week because of Nashville's decision to sell. Right, Washington's decision to sell. Uh, the Islanders are in good form. The Detroit Red Wings have flatlined a bit. Like we talked yep. about, how their selling. short position had degraded. Yeah. So, to some extent too, let's be real they're they're selling low on their own short position, which we were ladling them with praise for just like three four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And you know who's bought in low while selling high? The guy who's desperate to find a game-changing prospect at the top of the draft. It's unlikely he'll be happy to have the extra first anyway, just as we've been talking about with this Islanders pick. But for Steve Eiserman, this is a unique asset. Like a really unique asset. Yeah. We haven't seen any of them move.
0: We haven't seen any asset like that move. We've talked about it. It's the best asset that's moved at this deadline. Yep. And they traded it. They traded it away. They got it, and then they traded it away for a nice player. But, again, that puts you in a really difficult position. And, look, you know, you made the comparison to Washington, okay? And the difference there is, okay, that's not as good of an asset. But the player has more upside, is younger. There are absolutely teams for where this – a version of this trade makes sense, right? Where you've spent a couple of years being disciplined, gathering assets, clearing cap space, setting up the decks for this type of deal, right? That absolutely
1: exists, you know, you're I, on your I way. I can't up. think of it. But you know, you know a team that it would make sense for though. It's like Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's like an end-of-window contender, Pittsburgh or Washington. An end-of-window contender desperate to Jimmy the door open for one more run or two, right? Like that that's the team it makes sense for. And instead, it's the Canucks trying to microwave
0: the process, right? Trying to expedite the process. Rather than going through the difficult work of exercising that discipline and trying to mine that value and collecting those assets and being smart and selling high, even if it means you're you're sending a good player out the door, rather than th- go through that process, you're trying to hit warp speed on it. You're trying to, to jump ahead. And it, it's just... Almost impossible to do successfully in the NHL, uh, as we have seen. The other thing that really stands out to me, and we're, we're getting a lot of picks al- or uh, text along these lines. This one unsigned. Guys, what are we doing? I was so excited to see us have two first-round picks. And, of course, we do a win-now trade. I can't do this. We've mentioned this a couple times in the last hour here, but there was so much hype already for the team acquiring draft picks. For the team having seven picks in the first four rounds we've been so starved for that Canucks fans have been so starved for that there was so much excitement for it and for all of this talk of Canucks <laughs> fans can't handle a rebuild look how they've reacted to getting that first round pick to getting the other extra picks they've been so excited for it yes they would they would love to see a team make all of those picks in the first four rounds of this draft They're, they the they're far from being too frustrating or too disappointing for them
1: to live through it. They were over the
0: moon happy about
1: it. So we, we're also getting a version of this text in. Boys, you can't sit there and do nothing and get first round picks and expect Elias Petterson to stay a Canuck. Give your head a shake. They got to do something. And this like comes back to the Kuzmenko thing, right? It's like mm. Petterson, do, do these people imagine that Petterson was like dead set on being like, I'm going to go to you unrestricted free agency. Wait! I've changed my mind. The Canucks have acquired Philip Hironic. Like, I'm sorry. Like, there there might be a brand of player who moves the needle so su- significantly that a player would hmm. significantly alter their view. But, like, that list is ten names long. And, and Heronic, while a very nice piece, doesn't belong on it. We know this, right? Like, is this... Do people really fantasize that this is the star player's reaction? Wow. <laughs> We got, you know, a a second pair defenseman from Detroit. Now we're on the upswing. And by the way, do the Canucks expect this market to buy that? Because they're not. They're definitely not. They're definitely
0: not. Uh, and so, yeah, if that's the if that's the expectation, I don't think it's going to work out like that. Uh, Sneaky Pete in New West, a dissenting voice here, says, The window of this team is not the same as Detroit, Chicago, Washington, etc. Kronik fills a huge need. This is a win. People are uh, forgetting. I think he means maybe overrating the value of picks. Yeah, the window is not the same as Detroit, Chicago, and Washington. The window is probably farther away. Yeah. Even than a team like Chicago. Well, because
1: those teams at least know who they are, right? This team doesn't clearly, clearly... This team doesn't know what they are. And what they are is a team whose own fans do not believe that they are a playoff team next season or believe that even if they are, and they might be because of Demco and Patterson and Hughes, they're not positioned to make any noise whatsoever, right? This is a team whose own fans see win now moves like this as a cynical cash grab as opposed to being a meaningful, well thought out, and considered hockey transaction, right? This is a team whose fans are desperate to see 4D chess. <laughs> Whenever this team makes I, a series of moves, I
0: think a lot of people would celebrate or uh, settle for two dimensional chess. I think a lot of people's <laughs> point. I think a lot of people
1: would celebrate for just, just, just normal two dimensional chess, standard chess. But, I mean, how many times it's like, oh, well, they've done this to set up this to set up that as as the last few weeks. No. They've cleared the decks to make a win-now trade for Philip Peronik. And he's a nice piece. This really, it's, it's unfortunate for him that he's going yeah. to come into Vancouver with the baggage of a decade of failures that have literally no relationship with him or his abilities as a hockey player. But that's the situation this franchise has created. And and unfortunately, they're operating, too, in a market like, you know, it's an old truism in this business. If you can't sell wins, you have to at least be able to sell hope. Right. Right? This team's at a point where, like, they haven't been able to sell either, at least not credibly for a while, but if they can't sell wins out the gate next season, man, this is um it's a big swing. It's a big swing by new management. This is... You know, I, I use this term. I use this term when the club swung for Oliver ekman Larson. I think this is very much in line with it. I think this is a franchise-defining risk at this point for for this management tenure, for this management group, for Rutherford and Alvin. This has to work, and not just has to work in that Horonic has to be good. Like this team has to make the playoffs next year. Now, the gauntlet's been thrown down mm-hmm. because you are giving up an enormous amount of da- draft equity that this club couldn't afford. You're shedding zero money in the, in the process. You are effectively capped out going into this off season. Now, like now you are back in cap crunch zone because of Bovillier and Heronic. It has to work. It has to work and nothing less, you know, should be tolerated, will be tolerated by this market. And to the idea of doing
0: this deal um, to kind of appease Elias Pettersson, it, it's not as if this guarantees a playoff berth. And again, like a playoff berth is a very low bar, very, very low bar for success in the NHL team. Half the half the teams in the league make it, right? So, okay, you make the playoffs. Like, is a first-round exit convincing Elias Pettersson to stay here? And what if you make these moves, right, and you're pushing not all in, but you're expending – very valuable future assets to try to get better right now so you can make the playoffs. If that doesn't work, what do you think Elias Pettersson or other star players are going to think about that, right? Are going to think about the team not being able to even make those moves to get on the playoffs. And there is absolutely, absolutely every chance in the world that it doesn't work out like that and that they don't make the playoffs. They're still going to be in really, really tough in the Western Conference to actually succeed. So I think this idea that it it meaningfully moves the needle on signing Elias Pettersson, to a long-term extension. Like I've always said, I think the thing that would help the most, well, one, you can offer him an eighth year uh, and tons of money on top of that. And you can do it right now, way before he gets to unrestricted free agency. But the thing that's going to move the needle is just, is having a plan is is building confidence that you have a plan for the future.
1: So really quick, I just want to quickly look at one text that we got in (laughs) because it's funny to me. Uh, Good D's are good till eight years. Says, uh, says an unsigned texter, I just want to let everybody know there are 21 defensemen who have played over 40 games in the entire league this year, born before 1990. <laughs> you, primes happen a lot sooner than you think. So our producer wants us to mix in some uh, <laughs> devil's advocate takes that don't crush this deal. But, you know, I don't know. Do you find any wrong takes in the inbox uh, to read? Yeah,
0: I mean, here's one. uh, This one comes in a large portion of the fan base thinks uh, that you're saying are unhappy with this. is because they're listening to you two. Negative talking. My mic is cutting in
1: and out here. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. The, uh, (laughs) the, I'm trying to find some text, but the fact is, is a lot of people are sort of texting in and the reactions tend to be extremely, upset with this deal right like by the time that he, some people though are pointing out that the the window of contention around Pedersen matters right so someone suggests by the time Axel Sandin uh, Palika, who is one of the top right-handed defense prospects in this draft develops to the point a uh, Hironik has Pedersen will be 29 and you know there's a good case for that in that if you want to take advantage of Pedersen and Hughes's prime years this team has to get better quick, more quickly than it was slated to do by going through a more sustainable build. Um, my view of that, though, is there's only so much asset capital you can push into the middle in a way that actually, like, you don't have a lot of time left where Pedersen's going to be at the level that he's the best player on the next great Canucks team, mm. you know? Uh, you are very quickly approaching a point where he's the cadre, you know, to the next great Canucks core, right? Where Quinn Hughes is the Morgan Riley equivalent. And you're only like two, three years away from that. So good luck, good luck doing it in a more expedited fashion. Obviously the organization is intent on trying. It ain't going to be easy. I really, I, I really struggle with the idea that, well,
0: first round picks Three or four years, so so, so jamie's having some issues with the mic oh and i think we maybe got it back <laughs> there we go uh I, I really struggle with that like so is every other team in the nhl wrong like every other rebuilding team has, has it backwards and they're actually being foolish acquiring those picks you know what i mean like i, I don't know how to even begin to explain why first round picks are valuable why it's valuable to get young hot really high upside cost control players in the draft, but it's just, it's such a baffling point of view to me. And I know we've seen, we had a text I saw in earlier as well, that uh, was, well, you know, the Canucks scouting isn't very good anyways. Right. So that, that could be the next Jake for and the next jet. Woo. It's like, that's throwing in the towel. That's giving up. If you, if you don't have any confidence in your own
1: abilities to identify players in the draft, like you're giving up. Well, and even with, like, even if Philip Peronic hits, you're still going to need, in a world where, you know, JT Miller now makes eight, and Elias Pettersson's going to make an ungodly amount, right? And then in two years, Kuzmenko's going to be up, and if he continues to play like this, that's going to be pricey, right? And Philip Peronick's going to need a new, new contract. If, if Philip Peronick hits, right, he's only one year away from being paid like a top-pair caliber defenseman. So that's six, six and a half, seven million. Maybe more if the cap grows. So, you know, that's part of the issue here, too, is it's nice to get a cost-control player like Hironic is, right? But it's nicer to do it when that cap space really makes a difference for you, right? When you need, like, the finishing piece on our back end is a $4 million guy, and two years' worth of him is great because those are the years we're contending in, right? The Canucks are... You know, not that you have to give up on building a contender around Pedersen and Hughes, but you should do it in a really low-risk way that doesn't remove your options to pivot if it doesn't work, right? And and that's sort of part of the issue that this team's bumped into is every time they try to keep the door open or, or boost, take a shortcut, right? It, mm-hmm. it involves committing money that's hard to move to a guy like an Oliver ekman Larson, right, or, or a JT Miller. Um, they limit their ability to pivot to change course and you know you're seeing it right now with a team that's already effectively over the salary cap going into this offseason uh if assuming you know one one or two million dollars worth of growth right that puts you on the back foot that puts you in a position where every asset is harder to deal right you're you're making positions or deals from a position of weakness um it's a really tough spot to live if you're as asset poor as the Canucks right as you're if you're as poor in terms of the talent on your roster, uh, if your results have been this poor over a prolonged period of time, um, it's not just that the Canucks have made a trade that probably doesn't move the needle for them. It's also that they've further hamstrung their ability to pivot successfully to doing a rebuild or doing a retool, right? They're they're locked in again on a roster that I watch play hockey. And I just don't like it's not not just that I don't think they're good enough, although I don't. It's not just that I don't think the defense has enough talent, which I don't. It's like, I don't see this team competing hard enough, consistently enough. I haven't seen this team make it out of the first month of the season still in the mix in three years. Like, I have no idea who has the appetite to just bolster the roster around this group and be like, we have a chance. Like, Really? Uh, I don't see
0: it. This text comes in. What you guys are asking for is another four to five years of rebuilding. Bye-bye, Quinn. Bye, Petey. Hit restart again. That's bonkers. I I just fundamentally disagree with the idea that it means five years of being bad, especially when you already have Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. They're not even willing to try taking a step back for one year. (laughs) For one year. Yeah. Like, that's all anyone was asking for. Do one year, maybe two. And I'm not even saying tank. I'm just saying of slowing down a little bit. Of not putting all of this pressure on you and making these win-now moves and desperately trying to scrap and claw for the eighth seed. Just try one year of that. And I think if you have that little bit of patience to acquire those assets, to let some of these contracts toll a year, get easier to move, where you, you actually can create significant salary cap flexibility... I think a lot of people would be really, really surprised, really, really surprised about how quickly you actually can turn it around once you get into that position,
1: but they're not even putting themselves in a chance to get into that position. Or at least how quickly hope returns. Yeah. You know? Um, but again, the Canucks have acquired a right-handed defenseman. Those players are extremely rare. Like, they're extremely hard to find on the trade market. They cost an arm and a leg, as we have seen. The question is not whether or not Philip Peronick helps the Canucks next season. He does. He's a good piece. The question is why would a team that's won 64 of their last 198 games in regulation across the last three seasons, right, that ranks 20th in the league by point percentage, is sub 500 dating back to 2021. Why would this team think they're close enough to justify trading futures of this value For a 25 year old player, it is beyond nonsense. And it's unfortunate to see. It is.
0: (laughs) It absolutely is. This one, last one says, uh, You guys on the radio are always saying the Canucks are going nowhere. Well, let's try something different. This isn't different. This is more (laughs) of the same. I would love to try something different. I have been screaming for them to try something different. They refuse to do it. They continue to do the same thing that has them in this position.
1: Like, why weren't the Canucks, if you really were intent on doing this, why weren't the Canucks in on Sandine? Maybe maybe they didn't like the player as much as they like Philip Hronik. but he's three years younger. He's 1.2 for the next two years. He's further away from our eligibility. Like I don't even, I'm not, I, I prefer Hronik as a player, but based on the upside and age profile, like you made a deal with Toronto for Luke Shen 24 hours ago why well, it doesn't make sense to me that this would be the answer it's shocking to me that Bo Horvat got traded to set up this just a just a crying shame. Uh, we'll we'll
0: sign off here. Bick is coming up with the People Show. Frank Saravelli from Daily Face Off is going to stop by for some instant analysis and update on what else the Canucks might do. So make sure you stick around. The People Show with Bick uh, and Frank Saravelli off the top is coming up. More reaction here to the Canucks
1: acquisition of Philip Ronick on Sportsnet six fifty.